Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city in this great neighborhood. Justice, which I believe is in a time that we live in, which is very much about people's ideology ideological and political differences in a way, um, in a crude summation of um, politics, and um, we've divided Jesus up. So you have those who are full of the spirit um, in a more charismatic world who have a tendency to be very conservative. You have those who are more conservative when it comes to the theology, whereas even maybe some are called Calvinists, who are really into justice, working out things on the earth. I believe Jesus embodies both of those viewpoints, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he also wants to help change the systems that exist on earth. And he did this in a microcosm, in a lot of small ways, with people he encountered. So we talked about last week, the woman with the issue of blood, she's getting healed by touching the hem of Jesus's garment. She was an outcast. She was a pariah in society. He stands up and has her tell her whole story and as a rabbi restores her in society after she touched him and was healed supernaturally. So I think both of these go hand in hand, that it's not an either or or, that we have a tendency to pick and choose what we want. You know, we all have our verses and scriptures and chapters that we love the most. And others we stay away from. You know what I'm saying? For reasons of maybe they're a little harder or maybe they're boring, like Numbers or Leviticus or something like that. I have a tendency to stay away from James because James is a tough book. He's, man, he was known as the, as one of the first bishops in Jerusalem. Very aware that he was speaking to a Jewish audience, um, but he was just, he cut straight to the chase. And if you read through, through James, who was considered an older uh, brother in the church in Jerusalem, he's just, he's going for everything that would make us feel like we're doing good. He's like, oh, you think you got faith? Faith without works is dead. Like that, you know, those are some strong words for those who are just burgeoning believers. And so we all have these things that we have a tendency to go towards. And I believe in my experience, I'm so thankful that God has given me an opportunity to experience both of these, but know that they do work hand in hand. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, and that just doesn't mean with the races. It means also in our heart's posture towards him. And so today we're going to be talking about being open to interruption. Open to interruption. And what more perfect message than to do on Mother's Day? Mom, 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 mom. (laughs) What, what, what? Somebody somewhere say, some child somewhere saying that, mom, 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 <laughs> interrupting, interrupting something that is going on. And mother will graciously say, what is it? Okay, it sounds very important. But how do we be open to the interruption of the spirit, open to what God is doing to bring us into a relationship with him? That we, as a world, we create our scheduled uh, schedules. <laughs> our schedules are scheduled so much so that when we go on vacation, they're scheduled. 
We have, we're going to, you know, jet ski this time. We're going to go um, water, you're going to do a surfing lesson this time. We're going to do this. Man, we got so much done. That's awesome. You know, it's actually the purpose to just relax when you go on vacation and not schedule things out. I want to tell people how much stuff I got done. But even in the midst of our schedule, can we be open to interruption because there is something that is happening when you are being interrupted? And it is not meant to just be annoying or make us anxious. It is meant to lead us. Jesus, remember, is leading us by the hand. And so in uh, John 4 and 7 through 19 is this story that we all know of the Samaritan woman and Jesus is walking along and he goes to Samaria and his disciples are wondering why he's going to Samaria, a place that people would travel 40 miles just to go around. Jesus goes directly to that place and has an encounter with a woman at a well. Now, this woman was at a well in the middle of the day and we know that Women were not supposed to be at the well in the middle of the day because it was the hottest time of the day. You didn't really want to be drawing water to feed animals at that time. They usually came early in the morning to where they can beat the sun that was going to be high in the sky. But she, Jesus goes there. He's exhausted. He sits down by this well and encounters this woman. Just by the fact that she's there at noon shows that she is a bit of an outcast from society. She's hiding from the chatter of the women who would be there all together at a, at a certain time. And he starts to tell her all these things, and it's no way that Jesus could possibly know. So in John 4 and 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then a woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, anybody saying this but Jesus would sound real messed up, right? If you knew the gift of God. What? The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Thank you, Jesus, for this word that you have given us. And thank you for your purpose, Father. That as we are ones who are beginning to understand what it means to be open to interruption, Jesus went directly into this interruption in their ministry schedule to go speak to someone who would be the opposite of someone he wanted to speak to. In the passage last week in Mark 5 with the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment, he was on his way to heal 
the daughter of a synagogue ruler. He was an esteemed, honored person in their society. It makes sense that someone, that he would go to hurt him first. But then he's interrupted and stopped in his tracks by a woman who touches him in a way that draws power from him. Oh, to stop for those who cannot give us anything. To stop for those who we're not going to get notice for, who we're not going to be patted on the back for, to stop for those. And I call that a timely tangent. In our lives, we have lots and lots of timely tangents. Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you where you would traditionally, you would never go. That's what an interruption is. You have a thing that you do on Monday, on Tuesday, and then a tangent comes. And then you go, huh, I don't know if I should do this thing. Sometimes it's by opportunity. Sometimes it's the Lord speaking to you. We can be in our head so much. We know when our fear and anxiety is high, then we are really in our minds. We know when our compassion and our love is high, we are really in our hearts. When we're feeling that we can be generous and loving to people, we're patient, love is patient, love is kind, that means that we are in our hearts. And this is where the treasure of the kingdom is. Being able to go on these timely tangents where God is trying to get something from us and trying to get something to us, but he just needs us to notice where the tangent comes in. Last Sunday, I had a bit of a tangent. This week, I had a couple of tangents, but this week happened um, on Sunday after church. My wife is like, oh, we're going to have Chinese food for dinner. I'm like, man, I really want some egg rolls. <laughs> so let's go to Aldi. We've never done this before, which is after church, go to a store. So I go to Aldi, and I'm walking around, and I see a young lady. She has a bag with all of her belongings in it, it looks like, a tore-up plastic bag. And she's like, do you know how much these chips cost? I'm like, uh, I don't know how much they cost, but I can buy them for you if you want. She's like, really? I was like, yeah, I can get you what, if you want anything else, too. You can go ahead and grab it. So she gets, you know, a couple of items, and I'm like, you can grab more if you want. We walk down a certain aisle, and then there's a nice bag. You know, sometimes Aldi has home goods. So I'm like, do you need a bag? Would you like this bag? She's like, yeah, sure. So she grabs a bag, and I get her an, uh, a few other groceries take her through the line and pay for them, and then just ask her if I can pray for her. And she's like, yeah, sure. So I just prayed for her right in the front of the store um, and blessed her and walked out. That was it. But I thought I was going there just to get something, you know, for myself. But this was a tangent that God was taking me on. And when I understand that something is being interrupted, all my antennas go up a little bit. I'm like, okay, there's something that the Spirit wants me to do here. And here I go and encounter this woman in the store. There's something about us turning aside from our plan. We have our plan. We know where we're going. We've made up our mind. But there's something about us turning aside Moses said, let me turn aside and see why this bush doesn't burn up. There's something about us taking a moment and saying, God, what are you doing right now? That we would not be led by our eyes, but led by the Spirit. I would have moments where I would be walking around a neighborhood when I lived on the west side of Chicago and I'd be like, all right, God, where are we going to go to get, go today? He would literally go, okay, go right here, go left here. And it's like, it was amazing. And uh, one day I did that, and I ended up 
helping a lady I didn't know carry her groceries into her house. She was just like, can you help me? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> helping her carry her groceries into her house. I pray for her, other members of her family. Somebody gets saved. Somebody gets healed. And this is just like walking around. Asking the Lord, where should I go? Looking for what would be this timely tangent. But it's something about that, that even in our lives when we go, okay, God, you're doing something else, it teaches us obedience. And oh, what God loves. He loves obedience so much that Jesus would say, this is why the Father loves me. And those who love me are obedient. And this is taking this tangent and going, man, I know I'm going to be late, but ah, this seems like it's something that God is like pulling me towards. I, I never drive this way when I go to this certain location. Why is he having me drive this way? It may be an interruption that he's given you for a purpose. In 1 Samuel 15 and 22 Saul is given marching orders. He is told, when you defeat the Amalekites, what I want you to do is destroy everything. Every horse, sheep, mouse, fox, (laughs) everything that is in the Amalekite camp, destroy. Man, woman, child, everything, destroy it. Saul is like, well, you know, some of these goats are like kind of pretty, you know, and some sheep are really nice. So he saves the best and holds it back for himself. But he tells Samuel that he's going to sacrifice it to the Lord. Samuel, like a beast, comes in and is like, man, what is the bleeding of sheep I hear in my ears? He's not supposed to be keeping anything. And then Samuel says this in 15 and 22, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, I say to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed the fat of lambs. What does this teach us? That we as humans will choose sacrifice over obedience. That means we will choose the hard way, the hard thing. We will choose doing something that requires us as Chicagoans by the sweat of our brow to make it happen. When God may be all just asking us is to be obedient and to take a timely tangent from what we think we are supposed to be doing. In actuality, the interruption is an invitation wrapped in an inconvenience. When you are feeling inconvenienced, it is probably an invitation. It is not time for us to go, oh, frustrated and I'm fearful, my anxiety is high. It's, uh, this goes, oh, I'm inconvenienced right now. This does not feel like a gas station. If it doesn't feel, if it feels like the opposite of a gas station where you could just find everything you need and it's not, you know what I'm saying, get you some snacks, you can fill your tank up, wash your windows. If it feels the opposite of that, it is probably the Lord trying to invite us into something. Instead of just standing and being, oh, I'm angry, I'm inconvenienced, God. That he is inviting us into something. Just as Jesus was inconvenienced by going to Samaria. But he says even in verse 4, Jesus said he needed to go through Samaria. He didn't need to go through Samaria. He needed to imagine to be so obedient to God's word that it feels like an own personal need. 
Wow. That is synchronicity with the Spirit. That is when you see the Father, you see me. When you see me, you see the Father. That is being united as one and walking through life that it became a need for him to go encounter this woman. And walking supernaturally to someone who is on a bottom rung of society walks in with this supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a word of knowledge. And what a word of knowledge is, it differs from prophecy because when you prophesy to someone, you're telling them something that may happen in the future. A word of knowledge is something that is true right now. And it sometimes leads to salvations. I've seen it lead to healings. It, it has great ramifications for us as believers. It allows people to really open their heart and to feel seen by God, which usually follows this amazing and wonderful encounter. And he started to tell her about things that she is no way he would know. Telling her that you have, go call your husband and come here. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you have said, well, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Telling her something that is true and that is new. That we call people into more. And I promise you, Jesus told her that, told her that and her heart was immediately open to who he was and what he was doing and what he was saying. The wonderful power of the supernatural working together, even with obedience. Jesus being obedient and taking this timely tangent that he needed to go to Samaria. And in the midst, encountering this woman with a word of knowledge. So I asked Leslie Lucas to come up and share some um, for us. You guys want to give it up for her as she comes? Share some goodness. Of course she's got notes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. <clears throat> okay, hi. <laughs> uh, so a few months ago, Bam asked if anyone was experiencing tingly hands or feet. I don't know if anybody remembers this during, during service. And for at least a year leading up to that, maybe even two years, um, I was waking up in the night with numb hands. I didn't really think much of it because I pretty much ignore everything that's going on, ailments that are going on. Um, but I did the night before this service start Googling symptoms, just unsure if I should be concerned, and I was sort of starting to worry about it. So anyway, in that moment um, that Bam asked about, my, about tingly hands in church, even after what I had been experiencing, I was like, that's not me. <laughs> it's got to be someone else. And I just waited for somebody else to raise their hands, and no one didn't. And he moved on, and he gave his sermon, and I just was like, I think that's me. I really think that's me. <clears throat> and what I decided was I would go up to him and ask for prayer. Tell him I think it's me and ask for prayer. Because if I didn't, I felt like I was not being faithful. Um, but it did feel like I had to humble myself for ask, to ask for prayer because it's not really just in my nature to do, to do something like that. So anyway, um, 
Bam prayed a lovely prayer over me, and I haven't had that tingly sensation ever since. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so thank you. Um, yeah, so, you know, it, it felt small at the time, but it, it did really open my eyes to um, Jesus is just working in these really tiny ways, and we don't even see it. Um, like, sometimes our rational thoughts, quote-unquote rational thoughts, can really get in the way. Um, so I've been just kind of more open to that idea of, you know, Jesus has got it. Don't, don't try to rationalize him away. He is there, and he's taking care of things that you're not even aware that you need healing for. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. Let's give it up for it. Thank you, Leslie, for that. <clears throat> thank you for being courageous and coming up to share um, that he does link us together as a body, and we get to celebrate what God is doing, even in small ways. Like I said last Sunday, I'm like, I don't care if it's a hangnail, a headache, whatever you get healed from, we want to hear about it because um, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, that we are saying, God, do it again. So I thought that was just a great example of what it means, um, what, what it means to walk in a, in a word of knowledge. And what is a word of knowledge? It is something that is currently true. And so Jesus gives this word to the Samaritan woman. And as a result of this word, she becomes an unlikely witness in Samaria. And you know who else is an unlikely witness? I am. Even you are. That like, why, God? Why would you use me to shine a light? But he's created you to shine a light, and sometimes we don't know that the light exists in us until we get around people who have seen nothing but darkness. And they go, oh my gosh, you're amazing. That as we see people who are becoming unlikely witnesses, we know God has always sent us to continue to go to the margins. This is what spirit and justice is about. Our natural tendency is to do things that will work. We love success. We love things that are looking like success. You know what I'm saying? We can write a map to success in our journey, in our life, and that map would not go through the margins, I guarantee you. Because we have been taught as Westerners that that is not what success looks like. But what was Jesus always doing? His road to the cross meandered, and sometimes it went into the cities. A lot of times it went to the margins, to the man of the gatherings like last week, to the woman with the issue of blood, and this week to the Samaritan woman, who the Jews hated so much that they would travel extra time to go around. That's like choosing the longest path on Google Maps. You know what I'm saying? You're like, <laughs> uh, give me the one that's like an hour and a half, you know? When you're going to Indiana and they're like, uh, I'm going to give you the path down 90, which will save you 10 minutes, or you can go down 80 and pay nothing. Uh, I'm going to go down 80. <laughs> Extra time with a purpose. But she was such an unlikely witness. How can us as a body, Missio Day Humble Park, be known for our compassion and be known for turning aside? Be known for taking those timely tangents when it feels like we don't have any time. And I love when I'm 
ruminating, thinking about a message, and then a week happens and God really teaches me what the message is like. So I was in Albany Park at a pastor's meeting talking with a guy who's a pa- he pastors a church not far from here. They meet at, um, it's called Rhythm Church. They meet at Western, at the um, Regal Theater on Western. You know, church plan, and they're just starting off, so we get to talk about some of the struggles, some of the beauty, some of the things that God is doing. And so we're standing in the street talking in Albany Park, and across the street there's a guy in front of a store asking for money, I assume. He at one point looks at us and then just starts walking towards us across the street. I'm like, what is this dude doing right now? This is like we're on Lawrence, and he just comes over, he speaks broken English. I speak broken Spanish. So, you know what I'm saying? We just like <laughs> communicated as best that we could. Just start talking about how his brother had just died and he feels like he's all by himself. Um, and I did what I always do, which is my specialty is just, can I pray for you? <laughs> just put my hand on his chest and start praying for him. And he was starting, he started crying. And so, he was crying, and his tears were hitting my hand. I'm like, God, what is going on? You put me in the craziest situations. Um, but it's like I just, I take his hand wherever he's going. And like, okay, if this is what's happening, we're just going to go with it. And he starts crying, and um, I ask him, I'm like, do you need anything to eat? Are you hungry? He's like, yeah. So I take him in a store and just, you know, have him grab some food if he wants, which I, as you can see, I do a lot. I mean, I don't do it that much, but it happened twice this week, so I don't know. It's something going on. I'm like, food, that's what you need, man. <laughs> um, and so, you know, able to get him some food, and then I came out, and I was like, bless you, man, and walked off. He shook my hand, and then he kissed my hand. I'm like, what is going on, Lord? Um, but it was just a reminder. I had to go pick up my daughter, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, that's in the back of my head. All this stuff is going on, and I was right on time to pick her up. Actually, I was early. Um, but it's like all these things we run into life, but just taking a moment to allow God to take us on these tangents with those who are in the margins. And I know earlier I talked about James. What would this message be without a James passage? This is what I would love us to be characterized by here at Missio Day Humboldt Park, which is James 2, 1 through 6. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, hey, you come sit in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves? And become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme you that noble name by which you are called? Don't say to the rich, wealthy, good-looking man, hey, you sit up here. Uh, you're you're kind of smelly. We're going you sit in the back somewhere. It's about us receiving those. Remember the stinky bus story from last week? The stinky bus dream. That that is how the church gets where it's supposed to be going. And a quick recap of that story is: I had a dream. I was on a bus. Everybody smelled on a bus. It smelled like alcohol. They smelled like weed. They smelled like all these 
illicit substances and it was dark and it was dank. It was just one of those CTA buses you get on sometime. I'm like, God, get me off of this bus. I get off the bus and I get on a nice clean bus. When everybody is sitting, they're well-dressed. They look like they don't need anything. But the bus that I got off of was the express bus. And a bus that I was currently sitting on was stopping at every single stop. This is the way the kingdom works. That God, when we have compassion and love for those, and we are even open to interruption, that he takes our hand and takes us on a journey. This is what obedience is, allowing God to take your hand and take you somewhere that was unexpected. This is me going somewhere that I was unexpected. <laughs> as, you, as you can see, it's a long time ago. Andre's in the back. He's much taller than that now, and Elijah's right there. Uh, baseball. I've never played baseball in my life, right? Okay. So we go to this meeting, and they're like, okay, we need a coach of the team. And I'm like, uh, and the dude is like, hey, you look like a coach. I'm like, I've never played the game in my life. What do you mean? And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I coached three seasons. Uh, I coached two seasons at Revere Park, and now I'm coaching another season at Wells Park. A timely tangent where I just said, all right, I'm here. I'll do it. But God has given me really a love for the game in the midst of that. And I think in our lives, yes, we want to be focused. We want to be going directly in the direction that we're supposed to be going in, but also we want to be open to be, having things interrupted. Because when we learn to embrace the interruption, then we learn that it, it's an invi- it may be an invitation from the Holy Spirit for us to do something.